culture where the landscape is dotted with shrines to the golden arches, an assortment of pizza places and other restaurants, fasting seems out of place, out of step with the times. As I begin to deal with the subject fasting, we'll do so very carefully. Views about fasting usually go to the extremes. John Wesley said, Some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason, and others have utterly disregarded it. Some consider fasting unnecessary, undesirable, and therefore to be ignored. Others think fasting is bound as a matter of faith, like baptism. It's something we, we are all supposed to do. And it all touches on a, a matter that's very personal to us. All people need food. It is also an untraditional subject. You rarely hear sermons on this subject. I think I might have heard maybe one or two in my lifetime on this subject. One person found in his research, in his particular religion, Christian religion, that not one single book was published on fasting for almost a hundred years. But the scriptures have so much to say about fasting. The list of biblical persons who fasted becomes a who's who of the scripture. Moses, the lawgiver, fasted. David, the king, fasted. Elijah, the prophet, fasted. Esther, the queen, fasted. Daniel, fasted. Anna, the prophetess, fasted. Jesus, fasted. Paul, also. There is more teaching in the New Testament on fasting than repentance and confession. Think about that. Jesus taught more on fasting than on baptism. Jesus taught more on fasting than the Lord's Supper. So what would account for this almost total disregard for a subject so frequently mentioned in Scripture? First, fasting has developed a bad reputation as a result of the excessive anesthetic practices of the Middle Ages. Second, many have simply concluded that fasting was a Jewish custom and is of no value or need in the Christian age. Third, we've been convinced through constant propaganda that if we do not have three large square meals each day with our several snacks in between, that we are on the verge of starvation. Because the Bible has so much to say about fasting, it is only right that we consider what it says. And as we do so, I have several requests. Please withhold judgment until you've heard all the material. Proverbs 18.13 tells us, He that answereth the matter before he heareth it is folly and shame unto him. Now let us be explorers. Let us be, let us dig deep. Let us be archaeologists. Let's dig deep, explore, dig into the Bible, see what the scriptures have to say about this. Let's explore and follow them. Follow what the scripture has to say instead of rearranging and reinterpreting scripture to fit our designs or fit our, our predetermined views on this subject. Let's not be too quick in drawing conclusions or applying what you've heard. Proverbs 14, 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. All right, at this point, we're going to examine fasting in the Old Testament. And we move on to examining fasting in the New Testament. And then we will look at fasting for Christians today. So let's look at occasions of fasting in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 16 29 to 31, one occasion was the Day of Atonement. And this shall be a statute forever unto you, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, ye shall afflict your souls, and do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country, or a stranger that sojourneth among you. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you, to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Verse 31, It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls by statute forever. So on the Day of Atonement, was it supposed to be a day of fasting? Look at, let's look at Leviticus chapter 23, verses 26 to 32. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Also on the seventh day of the seventh month there shall be a day of atonement, and shall be a holy convocation unto you. Ye shall afflict your souls, and offer an offering made of fire unto the Lord. Ye shall do no work in the same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it shall be, that shall, be not, shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever soul it be that doeth any work in that same day, the soul, the same soul will I destroy from among his people. He shall do no manner of work, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and ye shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at even. For even unto even shall ye celebrate your Sabbath. Now let's look at Numbers chapter 29 and verse 7. And ye shall have on the tenth day of the seventh month a holy convocation, and ye shall afflict your souls. Ye shall not do any work therein. So this was the only fast commanded by the law, to be observed on the tenth day of the seventh month. Though not called fasting, the phrase afflicting one's soul was understood to refer to fasting. So we heard that phrase several times in the scripture I just read. Now let's also look at Psalm 69, verse 10. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. Chastened my soul with fasting. Now let's also look at Acts chapter 27 and verse 9. The Bible says, Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them. The fast refers to the Day of Atonement. Acts chapter 27 verse 9, that's talking about the Day of Atonement. The fast was now already past. So they actually referred to the Day of Atonement as the fast. So we see as the Day of Atonement was to be observed on the tenth day of the seventh month. In those scriptures in Leviticus and Numbers, afflicting one's soul was understood to be referred to fasting. We also see that mentioned in Psalm 69 verse 10, and we see a reference to the Day of Atonement in Acts chapter 27 verse 9, where it's simply called the fast. So the use of the phrase afflict one's soul to refer to fasting suggests a purpose of fasting, to have an effect on the soul. If afflicting one's soul is synonymous with fasting, you would think fasting was to have an effect on the soul. Not particularly the body, but it's for the soul. The goal of such affliction or chastening we shall notice later on. Now let's look at other fasts in the Old Testament. People often fasted without specific commandment in time of distress. Some were communal affairs while others were acts of the private individual. They fasted in war, or they fasted at the threat of war. Israel fasted at Bethel in the war against the Benjamites. We see that in Judges chapter 20 and verse 26. The Bible says, And all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came unto the house of God and wept, and sat there before the Lord, and fasted that day until even, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. They also fasted at Mizpah in the Philistine war. We see that in 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 6. They fasted when loved ones were sick. David fasted and wept for a son while the boy was ill. We see that in 2 Samuel chapter 12, 16-23. The psalmist also mentions fasting for his enemies. That's in Psalm chapter 35, verses 11-13. False witnesses did rise up. They laid to my charge things that I knew not. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, 
and my prayer returned into my own bosom. What was the purpose of the fasting? I humbled my soul with fasting. David fasted and wept for his son. The psalmist mentions fasting for his enemies, but he also did it for himself. He humbled his soul with the fasting. They also fasted when loved ones died. The men of Jabesh Gilead fasted seven days for Saul. We see that in 1 Samuel chapter 31, 13, and also mentioned in 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 12. And David and the people fasted for Saul and Jonathan. That's in 2 Samuel 1, 12. They fasted when they sought God's forgiveness. Moses fasted 40 days because of sin, because of the sin of Israel. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 9, 15 to 18. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 9, 15 to 18, So I turned and came down from the mount, and the mount burned with fire, and the two tables of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, ye had sinned against the Lord your God, and had made you a molten calf, and ye had turned aside quickly out of the way which the Lord had commanded you. And look, and I took the two tables, and cast them out of my two hands, and brake them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord as the first forty days and forty nights I did neither eat bread nor drink water, because of all your sins which ye sinned, in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. But the Lord hearkened unto me at that time, and the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And I prayed for Aaron also at that time. And I took your sin, the calf which ye made, and burnt it with fire, and stamped it, and ground it very small, even till it was as small dust. And I cast thereof into the brook, and descended out of the mount. So Moses fasted to get forgiveness of sins for the people of Israel. Ahab fasted to be forgiven. You see that in 1 Kings chapter 21. Nenmo fasted at the preaching of Jonah. We see that in Jonah chapter 3. Daniel fasted as he confessed the sins of Israel. That's in Daniel chapter 9. The general fasted the communal reading of the law by Ezra was an act of penitence. We see that in Nehemiah chapter 9. We find in the Old Testament they also fasted when faced with impending danger. Jehoshaphat fasted when threatened by Edom. We see that in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 3. Ezra led a fast when seeking the favor of God towards his return from exile, a journey that was fraught with danger. That's in Ezra chapter 8, 21. Nehemiah fasted when he heard the state of Jerusalem. Nehemiah 1, verse 4. The Jews fasted when they heard that Haman had obtained the king's decree against them. Esther 4, verse 3. Esther and Mordecai fasted before she went before the king. That was a big moment. And she fasted to get the Lord's help and the Lord's guidance and the Lord's wisdom in that moment. They also set up fasts to commemorate certain calamities. During and after the exile, special fasts were observed on the days that the calamities had befallen them. Tenth day of the fifth month was the burning of the temple. We see that in Jeremiah chapter 52, 12 and 13. The second day of the seventh month was the murder of Gedaliah. We see that in 2 Kings 25 and Jeremiah 41. On the tenth day of the tenth month was the beginning of the siege of Jerusalem, 2 Kings chapter 25. And on the ninth day of the fourth month was its fall, 2 Kings 25, verses 3 to 4. Now let's look at some additional information about fasting in the Old Testament. What was the purpose of the fasting? Some fasting was a natural reaction to grief over the loss of a loved one, like the men of Jabesh Gilead and of David for his infant son. But more often, fasting was done to purposely 
A, afflict the soul. We read that in Leviticus chapter 23. And to chasten the soul. We read that in Psalm chapter 69. So to afflict the soul and to chasten the soul. And we also was mentioned to humble the soul. So to afflict the soul, we read about that. Chasten the soul, we read about that. And we also read where it was done to humble the soul. So to afflict the soul, to chasten the soul, and to humble the soul. Evidently, they felt that by so humbling themselves, they would more likely incur God's favor. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. For thus saith the Lord, and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. They believed they had to have a very humble spirit, humble heart, for God to hear their prayers and to answer their prayers. So to afflict their soul, to chasten their soul, to humble their soul. So they would fast when they needed forgiveness for sins. We see that in Moses, Ahab, and Daniel. They also fasted for loved ones for, to get for restored health. We see that in David. They fasted for protection from danger. We see that in Ezra. They fasted for deliverance from their enemies. We see that by the Israelites. Because they were seeking God's favor, fasting would almost always be accompanied with prayer. So for personal application, they fasted to afflict their soul, to chasten the soul, and to humble the soul. And then for asking a prayer for others, for their nation, for loved ones that were sick, they also fasted for the forgiveness of sins. They fasted for loved ones for health. They fasted for protection from danger. They fasted for deliverance from their enemies. And always when they fasted, this would be accompanied with prayer. So now let's look at the nature of fasting. The normal means of fasting involved abstaining from all food, but not water. Sometimes the fast was but a partial fast, a restriction of the diet, but not total abstination. We see that in Daniel chapter 10, verses 2 to 3. The Bible says in Daniel 10, verses 2 to 3, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till those three weeks were fulfilled. So sometimes the fast was just partial. On rare occasions, there was an absolute fast, as in the case of the people in Nineveh, who also included the animals in their fast. No food, no water, as in the case of the Queen Esther. And also the absolute fast of Moses and Elijah. These must have had divine assistance. So if you see the nature of fasting, now let's see the length of the fasts. A fast was often for one day from sunrise to sunset, and after sundown, food would be taken. That's mentioned in Judges chapter 20, 1 Samuel chapter 14, 2 Samuel chapter 1, and 2 Samuel chapter 3. A fast might be for one night. We see that in Daniel chapter 6. The fast of Esther continued for three days and nights, which seems to have been a special case. That's noted in Esther chapter 4. At the burial of Saul, the fast by Jabesh Gilead was seven days, that's mentioned in 1 Samuel 31 and 1 Chronicles chapter 10. David fasted seven days when his child was ill. 2 Samuel 12 verses 16 to 18. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him to rise up from the earth. But he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. 
And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? Well, the purpose of his fast was for the health, the healing of his child. So he reacted quite unexpectedly when they told him that the child was dead. David concluded there was no longer any need to fast, so he abruptly ended his fast. That was the purpose of his fast. The longest fast recorded in Scripture were the 40-day fasts of Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. We see that in Exodus chapter 34, verse 28, Deuteronomy 9, 9, 1 Kings 19, 18, Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, and Luke 4, verse 2. So let's look at warnings concerning fasting. Fasting can easily be turned into an external show and ceremonial ritualism. When it did, the prophets spoke out against it. The most vigorous attack against such fasting is made in Isaiah 58. The people complained that they had fasted and God had not seen, Isaiah chapter 58 verse 3, but they had not been fasting for the right reason, to be heard by God, Isaiah chapter 58 verses 3 to 4. The Bible says, Wherefore we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge. Notice that afflicted our soul, reference to fasting. Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with this of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Notice the rebuke. They are fasting for the wrong reasons. They are fasting to be seen of God, not to humble themselves. Remember the personal application of the fasting was to afflict the soul, to chasten the soul, to humble the soul. But here they were fasting to be seen of God, to get some recognition by God because they were fasting. They were fasting for the wrong reasons. To contrast to simply an external display of bowing oneself, bowing the head like a bulrush and spreading sackcloth and ashes, the Lord would rather they lose the bonds of their wickedness. The Lord would rather they let the oppressed go free, share bread with the hungry, bring the poor into one's house, covered and naked. Then they should be heard in their prayers, Isaiah 58, 6-9. The Bible says, Is not this the fast that have I chosen? To loose the bands of the wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out of thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover them, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. Thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. Glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. They are fasting for the wrong reasons. The same point was made about the ceremonial fast that had been added by the Israelites to commemorate certain occasions. We see that in Zechariah chapter 7. The people wanted to know if they should fast on the special occasions that they had done. So the Lord's response we find in Zechariah chapter 7, verses 4 to 6. Now they made up these ceremonial fasts. They were added by the Israelites to commemorate certain occasions. And the people wanted to know they should fast on these special occasions as they had done. And the Lord responded that the fast had not had not be done for him. Zechariah chapter four. Excuse me, Zechariah seven, four to six. Then came the word of the Lord of the host unto me, saying, Speak unto all the people of the land, and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those seven years, did ye at all fast unto me, even to me? And when ye did eat, and when ye did drink, did not ye eat for yourselves, and drink for yourselves? Should ye not hear the words 
which the Lord hath cried, by the former prophets, when Jerusalem was inhabited, and in prosperity, and the cities thereof round about her, when men inhabited the south and the plain. So they were fasting for the wrong reasons. They were fasting out of a ceremonial obligation to say, look at me, I'm fasting. Instead of fasting to our three reasons mentioned for personal application, afflict the soul, chasten the soul, humble the soul. They were fasting for the wrong reasons. They were fasting out of tradition. They were fasting out of, look God, I'm fasting. I'm doing a work for you. They were not fasting for the right reasons, so the Lord rebuked them for that. So in conclusion, at this point, we have not tried to establish whether fasting is for Christians today. Rather, we have just considered the practice of fasting as found in the Old Testament to have a better understanding of why people of God fasted. So what have we learned? Only one fast was specifically commanded in the Old Testament. That was on the Day of Atonement. We found in Acts that Paul referred to that as the day of fast, or the fast day. The people often fasted when they wanted God to hear their prayers also in the Old Testament. The purpose of the fast was to humble themselves by afflicting their souls. Believing such humiliation, or humbling, would be pleasing to God, and pleasing in His sight. However, fasting was fruitless, we've noticed, when it was done for the wrong reason, done out of obligation, done out of tradition, done just to see, the, for them to think, hey, look, God, I'm fasting. When it was done without true repentance, when it was done without prayer, and when it was done without a personal application or a serious application to a loved one or a nation, it was done for the wrong reasons. We've also seen that there were no set principles concerning the length or the nature of fasting. Thank you.